Hey Spencer, Jason here. Just want to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas. Hope all is well. And I've enjoyed interacting with you, talking to you, podcasting with you, gaming with you, you name it, throughout 2020. I look forward to more of that in 2021. And just want to say I'm happy to, very happy that I've been able to interact with you over this past year. So take care and love your family. And I will talk to you soon. We were wrong to stay in hiding. We shall greet them as allies and friends. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing d and It was free through all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello, my name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this is Keep Off the Borderlands. I just want to say a big thank you to Jason there who opened the show. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you so much for those kind words. Season's greetings to you and yours. Jason is the man responsible for introducing me to online gaming. And I'm eternally grateful for his encouragement. He ran the first online game that I was involved in. As any listener will know. I've very much enjoyed interacting and playing with Jason. And I've said this before, but it hasn't happened nearly enough. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you, Jason. And um, and thanks again for helping me get my game on. I hope you, along with everyone else, had a most wonderful time of the year. Sorry, I've been at the chocolate liqueurs again. But as I'm still very much in a festive mood, I'm going to share a couple more messages I've received from esteemed anchorites, colleagues, friends. So let's hear those wonderful messages. Trained superhuman ninjas. <laughs> Spencer, mate, you've been you've been heavy on that birch sap wine or your single malt or something because that is not the picture that is conjured up in my mind when I think of the first level D&D thief. Open locks, 15%. Find or remove traps, 10%. I mean, that does mean they've got a 90% of uh, successfully finding and removing a trap with their face. Um, Pickpockets, 20%. Move silently, 20%. 20%. Climb sheer surfaces, 87%. This is about the only thing where you stand some sort of chance of doing it. Hide in shadows, 10%. Hear noise, 1 to 2 on a D6. Ah, fair enough. But most of that stuff, my grandma could do better than that. All of these things are going to lead a lot of the time to you being slain if you're discovered beat up is the best outcome who does that who (laughs) who does that 
I would say that anybody in an adventuring party could probably rustle up a comparable performance. Man, I hate thieves. They're rubbish. Rubbish. And I feel that what Jason was saying was by codifying this stuff, you, you, you have created a niche and then the game is, is giving niche protection for the thief and some of those skills when clearly other characters are pretty good in some ways at elements of that, especially, say, the dwarf with finding traps. He, he's got basically a, a 33 and a third or whatever it is, one to two on a D6 uh, percentage chance of detecting traps in stone and in kind of in dungeons and stuff all right maybe you can't disarm them but you soon think of solutions once you find these things it can't it's it's sort of robbed that idea of rulings not rules by codifying the thievery aspect of the fantasy adventure game because you've got to believe that without thieves the party is going to be doing this stuff anyway you're gonna try and hide, jump out behind someone and stab them in the back. Whether you are a superhuman ninja or not, you, you're just looking for that edge in a combat. So tactically, that's something you, you're going to try. But as soon as you bring a thief onto the scene, oh, oh the fighter's just going to stand there and go toe-to-toe -to -toe bashing at people. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Did, did some people do that? Did... I don't know, I don't know. But it's one of the kind of mildly irritating things that crops up in sessions all the time is the like, oh, well, why can't I at least have a chance of picking a lock? Or why can't we have a chance of hiding in the shadows? The thief, by the rules, is not moving. He's just standing there in the dark shadows and he's got only a 10% chance of doing it. What? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Enjoy the episode, mate. You take care. Catch you later. Ah, thank you, Colin. Colin Spike Pit Green there. <laughs> and um, I'm not exactly sure that I was claiming that thieves were indeed superhuman ninja-type characters. What I was... <laughs> what I was pointing out was that that is what the thieves' skill set suggested to me. That's what it seemed to be pointing at. The fact that thieves <laughs> are completely incompetent when it comes to using their own skill set is another issue entirely. Whenever I have played a thief, in a game, I've always felt less than competent. So I've got no quarrel with you there. And thanks again for a wonderfully entertaining message. Cheers, fella. I've got to give it to you. The, I mean, the niche protection thing is a problem. I recently, well, it wasn't so recently. It was quite a while ago, actually, playing in OSE as a halfling and feeling that I should have been able to sneak and scout much the same way that a thief would 
But I was told that I could not, I could not do that. And this does run counter to the rulings, not rules, or you don't need to look at your character sheet to to come up with options that are available to your character because there, yeah, there's that skill set which is on the character sheet, and its presence suggests that that is not available to other characters. So yes, yes. But what I was trying to do, what I was trying to do, was look at the point at which things changed in the ODD original Dungeons and Dragons and its clones, where the thief is optional. I mean, that suggests to me that the thief there is not taking anything away from anyone else. Although the descriptions of each individual class doesn't really change, not dramatically, suddenly, as soon as that becomes codified, standard class, the implication is there's a whole host of things other classes can't do. And um, this is why I, since coming back to the hobby, I've really enjoyed the rules-like systems because rules are essentially telling you what you can't do, really. That's, that's what they're there for. They're not providing you with opportunities. They're presenting obstacles. That's the way I see it. Anyway, let's see who else wants to piss on my chips. Hey, Spencer Che. Thieves. You say the thief doesn't take anything away from the other classes in the original Dungeons & Dragons. And I say, you are wrong, sir. You are wrong, So why can't my fighter, cleric or wizard hide in shadows? Why can't my fighter, cleric or wizard learn to pick locks? Why can't any of those skills that apparently thieves have be used by the other classes? Because before, I do not believe for a second that before the thief entered, in the Greyhawk supplement I think, um, that fighters did not try to sneak in shadows, move silently, I do not believe that clerics and wizards did not try to pick locks. And yes, absolutely, when a thief comes along, you codify that as being their class niche, and then that implies that everybody else can no longer do those things, which to me is madness, sir. Rules as written, the thief um, and a wizard with the knock spell is the only way you can open a locked door in a dungeon. I mean, rules as written, strictly. Now, nobody ever plays like that. I know that, right? But... Rules is written, that's the way it is. A thief with a, can pick the lock and then ability isn't very good at level one. Um, or a wizard can use a knock spell. And I just think that's crap, personally. And this is the reason why I moved away from D&D into skill-based games. As you know, I'm a GURPS fan, and in GURPS, anyone can learn to pick locks. It's a skill that you can learn by investing in it as a character. And um, your development and training goes from there. Of course, the reason why all of this happens in D&D is because you've got the idea of a class and niche protection and all those other bits of baggage that come with it. And frankly, yeah, that's the reason I moved away from it. I wanted characters who could learn to do more than those niche things. But there you go. There's my thoughts on Thieves. Game on, man. Well, thank you. Che Webster there from Roleplay Rescue. And um, 
I can't argue with that. I mean, you know, it's it's there in the rules, and I guess what what I was attempting to do was try and look at those rules and see how they could be interpreted and see if I could kind of rescue something from that, you know. Because, again, with the thief being optional in the early edition, and I can only really repeat what I said in response to Colin, that it's, you know, it is down to interpretation. But no, you can't really get away from that that implication and I just want to point out that I've got no real horse in this race I was simply trying to come at this from another angle having listened to Daniel Norton of Bandit's Keep and his defense of the faith uh you know I think he made some valid points there and probably articulated it much better than I did but this keeps cropping up, so it clearly is a problem. But I guess I was just, you know, trying to see a way out of this. But thank you, Che. I really do appreciate your message. And uh, thanks for the feedback. So, I mean, I'm not denying that those problems exist. I was merely attempting to go back to the source material and see if there was another way to consider handling the thief. I mean, it's possible that all I did was come up with excuses to explain away problems that arise from something that is fundamentally broken. I felt it was something interesting to ponder and it was a good excuse to go back and look at those old rule sets. So, thank you very much, both Che and Colin, for your messages. I really, genuinely appreciate them. Hold up. But then, plot twist, in Mulvey, basic, you've got that line in the Dungeon Master's Guide, that caveat, there's always a chance, suggesting that anyone can try anything, potentially, Kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it? What's also interesting there is that Che's feelings about D&D very much reflect my own, um, but those feelings sent us both off in very different directions. Che heading towards GURPS, skill-based system with rules for practically everything that can be as complex as you like, with almost endless supporting material for every genre, style, period, setting, or world. The possibilities are truly endless there. Whereas my feeling was to head in the other direction. Less rules, just a core mechanic that can be used to determine every possible situation. Oh, and talking of rules I favour and endless possibilities, I've really enjoyed the last couple of episodes of Mud and Blood podcast, episode 91 and 92, an interview with Chris McDowell, 
creator of Into the Odd and Electric Bastion Land, followed by a gushing review of Electric Bastion Land itself, a game that I absolutely love. If you want to learn more about it, please check out those episodes. Another small addendum. Um, I've just been listening to Jay interview Christopher Rice, who's a bit of a GURPS aficionado. And um, uh, they talk a bit about the flexibility of GURPS, how it allows you to create almost anything. And it's especially useful if you've got something very specific in mind. Um, and I think that's that's a key point on which I think me and Che differ in the sense that, for me, I don't really know what I want from a game. I'm looking to be surprised, I think, uh, which is why I'm drawn to things which are light, which leave gaps for stuff to arise. Thinking again about Electric Bastion Land, a book that, the system itself takes up two pages, but the book is just bursting with possibilities as far as I'm concerned. It's full of methods for creating ideas. Um, it's a real kind of mishmash of stuff. Um, just a, a, a wonderful, eclectic source. And I realise that that also means there are quite a few things included in the book that might not be to people's taste, but because of the nature of the game, you're free to ignore whatever elements you want. There's nothing prescriptive about it at all. And it offers, yes, the potential to to surprise you at every turn for everyone involved, including the GM. So, have we learned anything? Not really. In light of that, I'm going to conclude the episode as it began, with another great message from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Take it away, Jason. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. It was good to hear you back on the air. Uh, I, I guess the difference is in the interpretation of the the three books prior to the Greyhawk supplement, I, I never read those books as prescriptive as in, you, you know, you can only do what's in the books. You're not allowed to add to those books. Those books never discuss lockpicking or hiding in shadow. You know, they don't go in-depth into that. They never say you can't do those things. And in fact, I'll read you a, the afterword to those books. There are unquestionably areas which have been glossed over. While we deeply regret the necessity, space requires that we put in the essentials only, and the trimming will often have to be added by the referee and his players. We have attempted to furnish an ample framework, and building should be both easy and fun. In this light, we urge you to refrain from writing for rules, interpretations, or the like, unless you are absolutely at a loss. For everything herein is fantastic, and the best way to decide how you would like it to be, and then make it just that way. On the other hand, we are not loath to answer your, answer your questions, but why have us do any more of your imagining for you? Write to us and tell us all about your additions, ideas, and what have you. We could always do with a bit of improvement in our refereeing. 
fight on. And that is the um, afterword at the back of book three, the Underworld and Wilderness Adventures book. So the, the difference is, just because it's not on the character sheet, I don't see where it keeps you from doing it. I, I know that that's a debate whether we can only do what our character's sheet says we're allowed to do, or, you know, can you do anything that the rules don't specifically, you know, prohibit. And, and I don't believe the original books prohibited other characters from doing any of those thiefy things. It was kind of up to the GM and the players to figure out how that worked. Where once the thieves were introduced, it took away that because it codified how to do those things and made it solely the thief's realm, where before it was not. So that's kind of where I was coming from. But interesting episode. Anyhow, it was great to hear your voice again. And I look forward to hearing your next one. Hello, me again. Just to say, it's taken me so long to put this episode together that the year has come to a close. So let's wave goodbye to the double crit that was 2020 and say hello to 2021. Let's hope it's a better one. Happy New Year. Well, that's about enough for me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.